Hello, and welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. At GVC, our mission is simple. It's to love God, love people, and love life. This year, we want to reach further into the glory and the presence of our God and experience Him like we never have before. This year is going to be different. Can you feel it? I know you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Here we go. Hey, welcome everybody. So glad that you're here. For everybody that's tuning in online, so glad that you're here as well or just sharing this morning with us. Uh, We're starting a brand new series called There's No Place Like Home. Come on, can anybody attest to it? There's no place like home. And so just as we get ready to start this new series, there's an intentionality as to why we're coming into this uh, message series in the season that we're in is because uh, not too long from now, we're coming back to back to school, back to normal life, back to kind of uh, vacations behind us and all that kind of thing. And so uh, we just want to ramp ourselves up getting ready for what's ahead of us. But one of the things that God has really been stirring us to do that in this season, uh, it's a time to reconnect and connect as a family. It's time to do life together. And you realize the world has so much to offer in regards to connecting and doing life together that it can pull away or distract us from uh, uh, being connected in the local church. And obviously there's true life transformation that takes place in church with the whole family. And so once again, we are going to be endeavoring to work extremely hard to to connect the dots. And so we just hope that you'll be a part of it. So again, we love you. We so uh, appreciate you and your families. And uh, again, we're just looking to expand and to build. Praise the Lord. And so uh, in regards to this new series that we're starting, uh, we could also subtitle it. The title is There's No Place Like Home, but we could subtitle today, and that is Homesick. Has anybody ever been homesick before? Oh, man, I tell you, there was a time I was homesick when I was a young kid. And, uh, in fact, I was talking with uh, a a mom just a few weeks back. We were talking about church camp, and uh, that's where I got homesick. And she was talking about her uh, daughter that went away to to church camp, and the daughter was so excited to go. But once she got there, uh, man just got extremely homesick and was wanting to come home and and i can relate wholeheartedly because when i was a kid went to youth i was all by myself and uh it was fun when you had activities going but man when you didn't have something keeping your mind occupied boy you started getting homesick man i was crying all the time didn't even take a shower i stunk man i was just i was a, i was a mess and finally i go i came home my uncle was there and he took me home i was about four hours away from home and uh man it was it was rough but I was homesick. And so what is it that causes us to be homesick? It's, it, it, the reason that we begin to become homesick is because we're in an environment that is unfamiliar. There's, there's a place that's called home that, that there's safety, there's comfort, there's peace. There's safety within that confines of home. And because of the comfort of home, we begin to long for home or we become homesick and want to be there and once again i'm sure every single one of us can say i can attest to being homesick at a time or two i remember when uh, we uh, first started having kids you know it was one of those funny things you know if i traveled and i was away you know you'd be homesick for the wife you miss the wife and then all of a sudden you start having kids and Man, you just start missing your kids because like, golly, I haven't seen them, haven't heard them laugh, missed the wife. And so once again, you can understand that 
getting away from unfamiliar or uh, uh, something that isn't familiar. It causes you to be homesick. But once again, when it comes to being homesick, what I want you to ask yourself or just contemplate this question, and that is, is have we ever, have you ever, or are you currently homesick for heaven? I said that the reason that we become homesick is because we're somewhere unfamiliar. There's a comfort and a peace and a safety of something that we call home. And the Bible tells us that heaven is our home. And therefore, have we become homesick for heaven? Now, you might say, well, that, that, does that mean that I've got an escape mentality? I'm, I'm just ready to chuck it and ready to get out of here. No, I'm saying, has heaven become a reality to you in your life that it has become so real, that it has become so apparent to you of where you're heading, and actually you've begun to live out of both sides, not even just the natural, but you begin to experience heaven on earth, and so you've become homesick for heaven. And once again, don't you realize that there is a parallel between heaven and this natural life. Uh, you know, I know that as we get older, oftentimes we become conscious of our age, don't we? You know, I was just thinking about this the other day. I'm 51 years old, and I was thinking about my kids and, uh, you know, the age difference. And, and, and then you start thinking, you know, just how closer I am to the latter part of my life versus, well, actually, I'm only middle age. But uh, nevertheless, you know, you, just, you start to become aware of those years. And the older that you get, you become more aware of that as well. But you realize, or the way that God has designed it, that heaven and this natural life, as we mature and grow in this natural life and become more acquainted with God, the parallels should begin to get closer and closer. Does that make sense? Because my walk with God is becoming more intimate and more closely related to Him, that heaven becomes closer than it ever was before. And so rather than getting to the end of my life and being afraid of what's on the other side or being fearful or scared of death, no, we ought to become so acquainted and aware of heaven that, man, when I get to that day, I'm just stepping over and I'm continuing my journey. Amen. And you realize that eternity started the moment that you received Christ. Let me give you an example of that. I've shared this before, but my grandfather was, was a gentleman that loved God. And he was one of those guys that the older he got, the more that he just fell in love with Jesus. And he continued to talk about Jesus. And every time you got around him, he talked about Jesus. And uh, much of the family was this sick and tired of hearing him talk about Jesus. Can't you talk about the weather? But the weather always turned about talking into Jesus. You know, he just loved Jesus. And so as he got older, this one, one particular uh, day, he, they took him into the hospital because something just didn't seem right. And he continued to decline in his body. And there was no natural cause of sickness or things that just his body was shutting down. And so my uncle called me one day, or maybe it was my father, I can't remember, but he said, Grandpa's uh, in a coma. It looks like he's going home. If you want to say goodbye, you, you ought to come up here. And, and so my wife and I, we got together, and I just said, you know what? We're going to go visit Grandpa, but, you know, we're going to have a glorious home going. We're not going to sit here boo-hoo and be sad about 
grandpa going home. No, we're going to have a, a, an amazing home going. And so we just had our hearts set that when we got there, it was going to be a glorious time. And so we walked into the room and my grandfather's lying there and he's in a coma unconscious and some of the families gathered around and my uncle said to me, he says, he says, hey, Tony, he said, why don't you just pray for grandpa? Now, I knew that grandpa wasn't going to come back because God had spoken to me early about that before that he was going home. So I just prayed a general prayer, prayed for the family, just prayed for his peace and comfort. And then I said, amen. And the moment that I said, amen, grandpa popped out of a coma. Whoa, glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. And all of a sudden, he just started shouting and praising God. And he was making such a ruckus that the nurse came in and started to uh, take the vitals of grandpa. And as he's taking the vitals of grandpa, he looks at me and he goes like this, you know, like he's just a little bit loopy. And I'm thinking, oh, oh no, he's, he's more in his right mind than he's ever been right now because now he's praising God and he knows that he's getting ready to step over. Amen. And then as we began just to praise God, all of a sudden he started to talk about, he says, do you see that? And he started talking about things that he was saw and he was pointing to things and we weren't seeing nothing, but he was seeing something. And my point is this, is that he was walking in a place with God, falling in love with Jesus, that when death came, it was not going through the jaws of death, it was going through the gates of death, and he was just stepping over into eternity. And it was glorious, man. I'm telling you what, we shouted, we worshiped, we praised God, and then that night he went home to be with Jesus. Amen. And so my point is this, is that when it comes to eternity, when it comes to heaven, are we becoming homesick the longer that we live this life? Are we becoming homesick for heaven because our walk with Jesus is becoming more real and more personally acquainted? Let me give you an example here. I've got some props that I want to give you or just share with you just to help bring some things to clarity, if you will. But I have this bucket of, of twine. And let's just say, for instance, this little piece of tape that is on the end. That little piece of tape, can you all see it, that little blue piece? That little blue piece of tape represents your life on this earth. And this life on this earth is all really training ground to prepare you for what is to come. This, this life that we live now should not be so separate and so different than when we get to heaven that it seems like night and day. No, it ought to be a parallel of like, woo, man, heaven is amazing because there is no sin. But man, I've experienced God's presence like this on earth. I've walked with him, talked with him, and this is just like back home. But look, look, you see this piece of tape, and that's representing your life, whether it be 80, 90, 100, 120 years, however long you live, that is your life on this earth. But now starts eternity, the moment that you breathe your last on this earth. And I'm walking streets of gold. I'm hearing the choir sing, and it's an angelic choir. Man, I'm getting to sit at the foot feet of Jesus, and man, we've got Bible school. 
Oh, man, we just had the marriage supper of the Lamb, and oh, my gosh, you should have heard the praises of the people. Oh, man, it's been a 1,000 years. And you know a 1,000 years is like a day with the Lord, and now it's time to go lock up the Antichrist and put him in the bottomless pit. Oh, praise the Lord. Now it's time to have the millennial reign. Oh, praise God. Woo, come on, somebody. Oh, now it's time to just rule and reign on this earth. And man, before you know it, man, it has been thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And that has been our life. But in all that we seem to be acquainted with and all that we seem to be so familiar with is this natural life that has become such a distraction. But these finite years in which we are living is to prepare us for eternity and eternity there is still a whole bucket full of twine that i have not yet gone through and it still does not end when the buckets ended come on are you hearing me this life is to prepare us for what is to come so my question is are we getting homesick for jesus Oh, because he is close at hand. The time is upon us and Jesus is coming very soon. And so what are we doing in this time? What are we doing in this hour? Because there's no place like home. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so when you think about it from the standpoint of this life in which we live, how many of you know that the local church is one of the closest resemblance of what heaven is all about? Amen. Or it should be. Let me share a couple verses with you real quick. Notice what it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. It says, for our light afflictions. How many of you face challenges or difficulties in this life? But once again, these afflictions, these challenges that we have in the scope of eternity. Oh, come on. That's how the Apostle Paul says these light afflictions, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceedingly an eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which, we are, which are, are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Woo! Praise God. Come on, we're preparing to go home. But there's work to be done. Look what it says here in James chapter 4. James chapter 4 and verse 14, it says, Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. So look, I said the little piece of tape represents your life. But he just said concerning your life, it's a vapor. It's gone. Did you see how quick that was? Yet we focus and get distracted in this life, and it's but a vapor. Come on, somebody. But we've got eternity that we're going to spend with him. And he's saying right now is the training ground to prepare for home. He wants us to become acquainted with him and knowing him. And notice what it says here. He says these light afflictions. Do you realize that there's two kinds of afflictions? There's two kinds of afflictions. The one is from you and me getting distracted. And because of my distraction, I make decisions. And based upon those decisions out of my distractions, it oftentimes creates destruction. 
Or the other type of affliction is the affliction that I face when I'm purposing to pursue the plan of God for my life. And then the enemy tries to bring opposition. But oh, praise the Lord, these light afflictions. Man, I got stirred up yesterday. Man, I was power washing my driveway. I was listening to some worship music. Man, I had to stop. I mean, I'm in the middle of my driveway, and I'm just crying. And I'm like, oh, praise the Lord. Glory to God. And I'm thinking, you know, God, there's been some difficulties in life, but it is but a light affliction, and I know that it's just the enemy, and praise God, there's an eternal way to glory, and everything has a value. You've not seen it gone undone, and praise the Lord, we've got the victory. Amen. So listen, you might say, I'm going through some real big junk today. Well, how did the junk get there? Was it because you purposed to pursue your own life, or is it because you pursued God? Amen. Because some junk that we have in our life is just simply because we've made our own life our own rather than pursuing Him. But I'm telling you, God wants us to come into a place of knowing who He is. Praise the Lord. I said that there are distractions in our life. Here's one of the major distractions that we face as people and the church today. I've shared this with you often, but listen to it once again, and let's look at it from a little different side here. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, I'm going to read it from the Amplified. It says this in verse 25. It says, not forsaking our meeting together, talking about coming to church, not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some. Let me say that again. As is the habit of some, meaning that they stop going to church. But encouraging one another, and all the more faithfully as you see the day of Christ returning or his approaching. Now here's what I want to bring out to you this morning. He said that there are many in the days preceding his coming that will be distracted and not be in the house of God or will forsake the assembling together. They've gotten into a habit. And not to be critical, but maybe, just maybe, the enemy knows just how close at hand it is and he has worked extremely hard to distract the people of God because he is coming so soon. Or we could say it this way. If the habit has become that we just take church as an option, then we have not been very homesick or very aware of where we're headed. And where we're headed is close. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand before God and have him say, well, enter in. You made it. No, I want to hear him say, enter in, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. Did you hear him say concerning your meeting and assembling together to be faithful? Exhort everybody to be faithful in this. So why is it that we as a church consistently talk about this? Is it because we want to have the offerings up? Is it because we want good numbers? No, we want you to be prepared and ready and walking intimately and acquainted with knowing Jesus in this hour because there is great opposition in this hour. There's great affliction that is coming in this hour to keep you away from the very life source 
that God put in place for your life. Amen? Once again, as we see in that scripture, we see the parallel of heaven and earth. Did you see what he said? He said, don't forsake the assembling of yourself because Jesus is coming very soon. So did you see it? The parallel is starting to get closer and closer. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Assemble together. Don't forsake the assembly. Don't get in the habit because he's coming. And therefore, there, be, there ought to be a greater awareness in this hour. A greater fellowship with the person of who Jesus is. I've already said it, but when it comes to the local church, the local church ought to be the greatest resemblance of heaven. It's where the people of God assemble. It's where God can show up. It's where His presence can be demonstrated. It's where we can connect to do life together as the people of God. Amen. Now, unfortunately, we've never heard anybody, or I don't believe that we'll hear anybody, get to heaven and after we've been there for a while, somebody will say, well, I wish we could just do it the way we used to do it. I remember when. Do you realize that God is progressive? And do you realize that heaven is going to be eternally progressive? Meaning, that you're going to see something new of God every single day. Heaven is not going to be stagnant. Heaven is not going to be monotone. Heaven is going to be full of character and change throughout eternity. And every time that there is a change, you're going to say, Whoa! Glory to God! Rather than sitting back and say, Well, I wish we could do it like we did it yesterday. But you know what we've done in church? We've done that very thing. Not understanding that if the local church is like heaven, that the local church has to be progressive in how it reaches people, how it does church, and how it communicates the gospel. But yet oftentimes it's really easy to get caught up in yesterday saying, well, wasn't it good then? Or I liked it back then. Let me just kind of put a twist on this, if you will. We have some minister friends. In fact, uh, Pastor Mark Hankins, you know, he's, he's our pastor. And he was just ministering at Rhema uh, Bible Church uh, this past week. They had camp meeting. And there was a group of kids, uh, uh, teenagers, that came to camp meeting from South Dakota. There was nearly 50 teenagers that were coming just to be in the meetings. As they were there in the meetings, there was youth that was going on. But this youth... These young people says, we don't want to go to the youth group. We want to be in the service. We want to be where the presence of God is. We want to hear Pastor Mark minister. And they're all gathered at the front of the church, worshiping God. Every single kid with their hands held high and just on fire and hungry for God. Now, the leaders of that youth group, they said this. They said, you know. We didn't have a youth group, so we just stepped up and said, well, if there's not a youth group, we'll just be the leaders. And so, there isn't nothing really fancy. They meet together as a youth in a barn. They get the cell phone out, put some music on cell phone, and they begin to worship God. 
with the cell phone music. They said the interesting thing is is that the background of kids are Presbyterian, Catholic, Methodist. Some of them just got born again. But these kids are on fire for God. Now here's what I want you to see and understand. If you know anything about church history, if you know anything about the moves of God, over the, the, the history of the church, there have been some outstanding moves and marks of the Spirit of God that has changed the church and changed the world. But every single move of God started with the young people. So, if it's going to start with the young people, if it always has been how God is moved, that's how He's going to move. He's going to move on the next generation to lead us to what the further thing is that God desires. So if God's going to move in the young generation, then we as a church, we as a people, have to get progressively connected with the younger generation rather than sitting back and say, well, I wish they would play some music that I like. When I was just born again, this is the kind of music that we sang. I wish they would sing my kind of music. What are you doing? You're reflecting back on your youth and saying, I wish it could have been, but there is a new move that is going to come through the younger people, and you cannot be selfish about what you desire for your own preference for the purpose of God. You've got to understand that if God's moving through a younger generation, you've got to get on board and support the younger generation and say, if it's the music, if it's the way they dress, if it's the way they look, we're not going to be moved by that. We're going to jump in and see God move in this hour. Amen. Well, I wish they would just crack out the hymn books from time to time. Do you realize that the young people don't give a lick about your hymns? And I love the hymns. Don't get me wrong. But I cannot make my preference the overriding factor for the purpose of God that he wants to do in this hour. Now, let me just go here. And I'm not going to sit here and get on a soapbox about it. But once again, as a pastor, it's my job to turn the light bulb on so that maybe we have a greater understanding concerning this hour. If church history has always proven that the moves of God comes through a younger generation, do you think just by chance the enemy is aware that God moves through the younger generation? So if the devil can identify and know that the younger generation is how God is going to move, then what would be his tactic? Distract the youth. Distract the family. And again, I'm not getting on a soapbox. I am not criticizing. So please hear my heart and please preface that with an exclamation mark. I am not criticizing parents in here or anywhere but have you noticed that the athletics and all the extracurricular activities are always done on Sundays or Wednesdays to pull away the family from the local church 
And we say as parents, well, we have to because, but is it that the enemy has brought about a crafty design of distraction that we bought into because he knows that the move of God is going to come through a younger generation. So distract the young generation and qualify it through the parents and therefore maybe the, the move of God will never come. Hello? Once again, I'm not criticizing. Please hear that. I'm just saying, maybe there's something to this thing that we're just not being very keen to. There's a move of God that God wants to show up and show off in this hour in which we're living. God is progressive. Praise the Lord. Look at what it says here in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 14. Starting in verse 14, it says, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting, but speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. May grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body is joint and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effect of working, by which every part does its share. It causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. What makes people homesick? Love. Why is it that the young kids want to go back home? Because the love of mom, the love of dad. Did you notice that it said speaking the truth in love? You realize that truth can be correcting and truth can be kind of hard to choke down, but you realize that if it's done in love, it can be received. And did you also notice that this love is what grows the church? So, eternity is close at hand. There's a job for us to do as a church. But we've got to have the eyes of our understanding opened and enlightened. We've got to see, as God sees some things, concerning people in this hour. And we cannot be critical, but we have to purpose to walk in love. Let me give you a couple examples of that. There was a minister friend that just went home to be with the Lord this past weekend. They had his funeral on Saturday. And I say friend and I use that word loosely. Because I've always struggled with him as an individual. We were colleagues. We were ministers under the same affiliation. And like I said, I always just kind of struggled with this guy because this particular pastor, well, he was no longer a pastor, but back a few years back, he was a pastor. But he was always real carnal. He always would curse. And then... Some life choices, he ended up losing his ministry. He lost the church, and his church was a very large church. He lost the youth ministry that he established that had reached thousands of kids over the years. And his behavior caused him to lose everything that he worked hard to establish. Over the last several years, you know, he's been very bitter, angry concerning what the church did to him. There were different times that I would see him on Facebook and he's swearing in Facebook. Different times he's on the golf course with a cigar in his mouth. Different times he's drinking beer. 
And I'm like, I really have a problem with you. And like I said, I say friend loosely because as an individual, he was an all right guy, but as a pastor, he just made me sick. I'm like, doggone you, why are you acting that way? Don't you realize that you're leading people astray? You're reproducing fruit of your own behavior, and obviously it did cost him. And then he ended up losing his life. And I'm telling you, I was just irritated. Because what irritated me was that I saw all these other pastors celebrating this guy that was a pastor, saying how great of a guy he was, how much that he meant to them, and how he supported them, and how he coached them, and how he rooted them on. And it really angered me, because I'm like, God, this was a tragedy. This wasn't a celebration. He was a tragedy, and he's messed up, and he's hurt the church. And I'm like, God, I'm really struggling with this whole thing. And oftentimes the Lord talks to me when I'm cutting my grass. And so I was cutting the grass, and I was talking to the Lord. I'm like, God, I said, this is really just messing with me, because... There's an irritation that's happening, but yet they're celebrating him. I said, help me understand this whole dynamic. And he said to me, he said, the reason why so many people are celebrating him is because he loved people. And it was almost <clears throat> like a low blow. Because I'm wanting the Lord to get on my side and saying, yeah, he was a jerk. But the Lord said to me, he said, in spite of all his shortcomings and his failures, he loved people. And because he loved people, that's why people loved him. You see, love can grow. Why did he have a large ministry? Because he just loved people. That's what we as a people or as a church, that's what God is asking us to do as we get closer to heaven and that we are to love people rather than criticizing. You know, I realize that as a church, as a pastor, I can get this way where you just get frustrated. Like, come on, people, right? And here's what we end up doing. Today's the Sunday for examples. We as a church oftentimes, we as the people of God oftentimes, what we end up doing is we stand at the crossroads of people's lives and there's a road that leads this way to make wrong decisions or walk away from God or just not live the way they ought to or there is the path that's leading to walk with God. And rather than being the individual leading the people down the path of the right way to live for God, we stand at the crossroads and we're judging them saying, well, how come you're choosing to go down that way rather than this way? But the reality is, is that obviously we're not walking down that way because we're standing here at the crossroads checking everybody else what they're doing. How come you're not doing? You should be here. How come you're not at church? Listen, if I was walking the path that I was supposed to be on myself, I wouldn't be standing at the crossroads being worried about what they're doing. So, let me give you an example. God's called you and me to be the light. Right? 
How easy is this to say, let me show you how you're supposed to act while I'm shining the light in their eye. I'm shining the light to expose all their junk, saying you ought to live differently. God didn't say shine the light. He said be the light and show them where they're supposed to go. Amen? But how are we going to be the light to show them where they're supposed to go? We've got to be walking in love, loving on people, because that's what heaven does. Amen? Let me close with this. Can you all stand with me? I'm going to invite my wife up here. Can't see the step. Let me give you a hand. (laughs) I said that heaven is close at hand. What's significant about heaven? Heaven is all about the love of God. Take a hold of that, please. Just hang on to it. How much did heaven love you and love me? If you want to know what heaven looks like and what love looks like to heaven, this is how much heaven looks like. Or this is how much love looks like. It's eternal. You said, God, did I mess up too much? He said, you haven't reached the end of the line yet. God, what about? He said, you haven't reached the end of the line yet. And when you get a hold of how much God loves you, when you understand how close heaven is at hand, when you understand how much God wants to know you, this lifeline, hang on to it, This eternal love that God has for you. It allows it to become the lifeline. Hang on to it. That begins to pull this person toward me. Why? Because I've begun to understand how much God loved me. Why would I dare judge somebody else for their shortcomings? But when I begin to see like heaven sees, that love becomes a lifeline and a draw to other people. You see, this is the hour that God's wanting to grow this church. We're in a rebuilding process right now. But God wants us to get a heart for people. He wants us to have an understanding of how close at hand heaven is and just maybe the distractions will not have such a hold and the light afflictions will just be a stumble but we'll keep on marching building the kingdom of God with every head bowed and every eye closed dear heavenly father I just pray right now over every single person that is in this place 
those that are listening online, those that are watching, in Jesus' name, I pray right now that the revelation of how loved we are by God becomes so large on the inside that it explodes on the inside of us that God there is a new understanding of how loved we are and if we understand how loved we are God we can't help but love people love your church love the fellowship with your church because it is who I'm going to spend eternity with those that don't know Jesus Oh, listen to me. Those that don't know Jesus might be fun to hang with on a weekend. But it will be short-lived if they never know Jesus. So there's two choices. Either there's a choice to turn and walk solely with God or have a fire burning on the inside of an understanding that those people that you associate with apart from God are going to hell. And all the love of God will burn bright and burn hot within you. And your voice will carry a new weight. And they'll respond to the voice of love for you'll speak the truth in love. Oh, and it will grow the church in this hour. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, that's it. Do you feel the glory? Do you feel the filling? I know you do. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and come back next week for God to move on your behalf again. Want to know more? Check us out online and our social media, all from our website, gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, and loving life.